HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Barryville is a hamlet in rural America, part of the upper Delaware River Valley in the western Catskills, but it could be anywhere. Barryville is the climax of civilization. Yeah, the Trump flags are flying, even as gay bikers are rolling through town. This is a hot take on rural America. And whether you're new to rural living, if you've ever been bullied or beaten up in the country, or live in the city and just dream of getting away, this show is for you. Everything's better in Barryville. What better Barryville would say if they could say dancing to your own song, John. I love it. You know what? I have to say, it's kind of one of my favorite songs I've ever recorded. <laughs> I love the damn song. And for the record, um, you know, my producer that that I've worked with for a while, he 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 mixed this thing for us. And uh, and he also turned down Beyonce, not knowing it was Beyonce. So I feel very honored that Kevin, DJ, Ambivalent uh, yeah. did He also left me us. on the cutting room floor, dude. What was the? It had to start my solo career somehow, you know. And I know. I'm sorry, you were a casualty. I, I can't believe we said let's form a band, and the first thing you do is make a solo record. Well, <laughs> I mean, it was un- un- I took a page from the Bee Gees. Unprecedented with speed and alacrity that you went into business for yourself, as we say in the oh wrestling business. Oh my god! Oh my god! So it's almost the weekend. What are you doing this weekend, well, Mike? Well, I'll tell you what I'm doing here uh, in uh, Barryville. Actually, I'm going to truck up the road to uh, Narrowsburg to our friend Annie Stanley's place, the Smoky Bells. Homestead, her queer I love Annie. Retreat. I have to tell you, Annie's brought so many amazing superstars up here. She's had La Tigre at the Smoky Bells. Like she does all these cool things. I've I've hiked the property. It's a beautiful, beautiful spot. It, it is all oh, this weekend. She's uh, hosting uh, me. I'm going to bring my guitar and play by campfire along with our friends, the Basic Bitches and Basic okay. Bitches. No the right on Basic <laughs> Bitches. Uh, Get out my red pen and do that little curly. I just did it for you. Moving on. (laughs) All right. With Basic Bitches, our our pals Crystal and Naomi, who we're going to see. They have a new record coming out. We're going to see them very soon. But we're going to be playing at a campfire at a chili cook-off this year, of which I am also. Did someone say chili? As also a judge. Listen, last year I was an entry in this chili cook-off, and the voting was rigged. It was a hoax. It was a hoax. It was the biggest hoax. It was a scandalous chili cook-off. So this year I'm going to be a judge. 
You're going to be a judge. I'm going to be a judge. And it's not unprecedented. I have uh, judged several chili cook-offs in the past. I did one at uh, the Pig Island event on Governor's Island. Uh, I've been – I did a – Goat barbecue contest. I was a judge when I was working with Heritage Foods in Charleston, North Carolina. And doesn't uh, your sister-in-law have a, a goat initiative happening? Yeah, you know, I I, uh, I asked her about it if they had a website yet. But yeah, during the last hurricane down in Merle's Inlet, um, the Goat Island, which was like a real sort of like a you know landmark down there, was washed away. And so she's she's trying to bring it back and bring the goats back. And uh, you know, we'll let you know about it. We'll keep you in the fold. Um, <laughs> Wait, I've got oh. my I've got my own studio audience machine now. You Watch know out. what? But maybe maybe they traveled up from uh, <laughs> from, from Merle's Inlet to uh, the town of Highland. Well, I'm very excited about the chili cook-off and playing at a campfire. I'm excited for you guys. That's that's my kind of gig. I got I got to be honest with you. That's that's absolutely the kind of gig I, I I love. You can play in nightclub anytime, but when do you get to play at a campfire at the Smoky Bells Homestead? That's a dream come true. And you know what's a good gig? The Mini Saint Battlefield, uh, the haunted battlefield, which once upon a time I was blessed enough by Deb Conway asked me to play there. Those star makers are going to be on the show today. <laughs> That's right. We got uh, uh, Deborah and, and John Conway. So are... excited. And I'm so excited about our next musical guest, Vanessa Carlton, Milford Zone. It's so exciting that she's going to be here uh, today and uh, talk to everybody about how to um, basically make it, you know, coming from a small town. How to be a star. I can't believe we've been making Barryville better since 2023. We'll be right back after this. Love y'all. Everything's better in Berryville. Everything's better in All right, and we're back. Crazy Daisy. I'm having a good time, John. Are you ready to introduce our next guest? I would gladly introduce our next guest. These two are not only my neighbors, but they are the heart and soul of history uh, in Sullivan County and beyond. I give you Deb Conway, who is the town co-historian, town of Highland, and John Conway, who is the county historian for 20 years in the making, as well as the president of the board of the Delaware Company and the executive director of the Delaware Company is Deb Conway. And my favorite newspaper columnist and author of many books, let's not forget. From the front porch, it's the Conways! (laughs) (laughs) All right, you got that hit again. <laughs> yeah, that's a double. We don't usually give doubles, but we gave no, you guys a no, double. No, we, have a, we have a lot of fans out there. <laughs> yeah. Thank you guys so much for coming. And, uh, you know, uh, we talked to Vanessa earlier, and she mentioned that my uh, studio audience sounded like a popcorn machine. Well, that's what, ha- that's what happens when you buy your special effects at PEX. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's what goes on. So, how are you guys today? Terrific. Uh, all right. <laughs> I'm with you guys. How bad can it be? Oh, my God. Something very exciting. And so you guys are both Sullivan County natives, uh, but you're not Sullivan County or you're not town of Highland locals, but you will inform the locals on their history, which I think is so fabulous. So, Deb, you grew up in Liberty, correct? I did indeed. And you also uh, this is a little history lesson for all of you and a little tidbit. Deb attended Woodstock. And, and, And my favorite story is how you got back and forth from your job to Woodstock, and you were at Grossinger's at the time, correct? Uh, no, I lived near Grossinger's. Okay. I was working for the telephone company in Monticello. Okay. Um, and I that weekend, well, I had already bought tickets like weeks in advance. I was one of the schmucks, the early ones who you know, actually paid to get in. But <laughs> um, that weekend, I was assigned split shifts. So that meant that I had time in the middle of the day. So we were there for the opening on Friday night. Got in via back roads that I knew from Liberty into through Jeffersonville, Canosa Lake, and that way. 
Um, when it started to rain, I went back home because I had to go to work the next day and left in the afternoon and went back again. So I was in and out, you know, very, very easily. So I am the non-story about the traffic backup. I had so no problem. So you could have prevented this traffic. It's jam. all my fault. <laughs> it's always all my fault. Well, nice I'm, job, I'm glad you paid to get him. Glad to know that our town historian isn't some scofflaw hippie. No, and I still have the framed tickets. <laughs> well, uh, well, let's talk. I had him for a little bit on display. We had a little, uh, yeah. a little hippie show down at the Bang Bang Bar, and we we had Deb's tickets. But John, so you grew up in Monticello. And I did not attend Woodstock. And I was going to say, like, <laughs> this might love it apparently. This might Proudly be the, uh, did not attend the conservative voice you were looking for. <laughs> I didn't even know there was a Woodstock. Really? No, that's I, not, but, not exactly. True. But you know. I've heard stories like from different people in town. Like you know, I know that the the Reavers, for instance, you know, boarded up the windows and were like, "The hippies are coming! The hippies are coming!" Was that sentiment sort of out there uh, for you, no, at least, no, John? Or no? There was there was none of that. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. In fact, my, um, my dad had a gas station on Broadway in Monticello, which was the the way everyone got to to White Lake. So, you know, the the stereotypical Volkswagen van which, you know, has become kind of a, a cliche, really. But that that's really, there were uh, a parade of them coming in. But I will tell you a funny story. You know, for weeks uh, leading up to the festival, uh, people would come in and say, how do we get to Woodstock? <laughs> and, you know, not being a music person at all, um, you know, I was much more interested in uh, the New York Mets and their run to the pennant that year. Um, I literally gave people directions to Woodstock and Ulster <laughs> County. I had no idea Drive what, straight through the what park. was happening. <laughs> it's a much nicer drive. <laughs> so it wasn't until we, we began to see things in the newspaper that I realized, well, oh, I guess I sent people a little bit out of their way. <laughs> and I guess in hindsight, when you look at the, the history of the festival and how Woodstock, New York, capitalized on their non-role in the whole thing, um, it's really kind of funny. Um, so, you know, how did I want to know something? How did you guys develop the the Delaware Company? Like, how did the the Delaware Company come to pass? Because it's it's such an institution that's it does so many fabulous things, and everybody I think is like, whoa, where's this coming from? Like, you know, the the weather balloons. But 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 <laughs> so 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 where where and how did you guys start this fabulous organization? So we go back to 2012, and and uh, Deborah at that time was the the directorate for Delaware, which of course was owned and operated by Sullivan County, and you know being a a part of county government meant that every year through no one's fault, but whenever there was a budget crunch for Delaware and the Sullivan County Museum and a lot of the other. Um, amenities that the county operates would would come under threat of closure and they were always struggling financially and so we began a a conversation to start a friends group for the ford but deborah and i had a vision that it could be something much bigger than that we thought you know there are a lot of historic venues in the county that really struggle financially and could benefit from a friends group and that's really how the Delaware Company started in November of 2012 as kind of a friends group um, of historic sites in the county uh, with Fort Delaware as, as our main focus. And then we continued to grow from there. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, I love what you're doing, and I loved in the last um, blast that you were doing the revolution to revolution concept, which I guess yeah, ties, so in, genius. ties into the uh, <laughs> Woodstock experience and, and everything else you're doing. Yeah, it absolutely does. And, and revolution to revolution dates back to, to those earliest days. We just recently, uh, in fact, in October of, of last year, we got a registered trademark for the concept of revolution to revolution. But um, it dates back to 2012 uh, when we first began to develop the ideas for the Delaware Company. And it celebrates the region's role in the American Revolution and the uh, role that it played in the Cultural Revolution of the of the 60s, which is told so well at, at uh, the museum at Bethel Woods. And um, we just think it's a natural way to promote the county, uh, tourism in the county. Yeah, no, it's it's super exciting, and it's it's one of those like legs of history, or you know, of of the richness of this area that some people don't know. So it's really fabulous that you guys are bringing it to the forefront. And and Mini Sink Battleground has also been entrusted uh, to you guys and the Delaware Company to run from the county. So what what are the challenges there? Well, that is our link to the Revolutionary War, and yeah, yeah. For years, the the, the county has done very little at the battleground. We're we're uh, uh, in the process of, of reinstating a, a series of trail markers that were there. But I wanted to just interject one point before we talk about the battleground. Um, on the revolution to revolution concept, uh, a couple of years ago, Deborah got the idea that there was a, a third revolution that probably should be incorporated into that. And uh, that's the story of the, the Kate Project and the D&H Canal and the role it played in the Industrial Revolution, which it really fueled. Um, in New York City, so I mean, literally fueled it. And Deborah can talk. Yeah, more I was going to say you're you're a soothsayer because that was my next question for <laughs> Deborah. Is um, you know everybody keeps hearing this buzzy Cape project. Tell us about the Cape project and how it relates to the Delaware River. Well, it's um... I know that's loaded <laughs> for a historian, but do the, do the best you can. Okay. Well, as we know, the Delaware and Hudson Canal uh, floated through here through Berryville. Uh, coming across the Roebling Bridge. Um, and the canal boats were towed by teams of oxen or, or horses or mules or some combination thereof. But usually, usually um, leading them were young children who mostly um, were very young children, uh, orphans from New York City. Uh, Off the Bowery, right? Well, yeah, or out of the orphanages, um, many overcrowded with Irish, particularly uh, immigrants, um, all kinds of dark sides of you know the way the women were treated, the domestics who came here to work from Ireland, and then they were um, so overcrowded that at one point there was a minister who actively tried to place them with nice families upstate, good Christian families. So many of them ended up in this area or with families from this area, who many of whom already were canal boat owners. And they would press these kids into service. And sometimes they were loved and treated as family, and sometimes they were just treated as another set of hands to help out. So they would get up early in the morning, they would groom and feed the mules, they would, um, you know, tack them up, and then they would walk 18 miles a day until the end of the day where they would do all of that again with the animals long after the grown-ups were in the bar or doing whatever. So these little guys were called hoggies, we're not exactly sure the derivation of that, but... Um, 
they were their own little story that has never been told about the Delaware and Hudson Canal. It's a phenomenal story for many reasons, financial reasons, engineering reasons, um, but the Hoggies were the untold underbelly. So um, I got the idea that we should do some kind of an homage to the Hoggies. Yeah. And uh, so I saw that uh, the... Um, Erie Canal Museum in Syracuse has a statue there of a young boy, um, Hoggy. And I thought, oh, this is what we need here, but I want a little girl. It kind of evolved from there that I got prices on how to, from the, that sculptor who's now in Australia. Um, and I realized that this was going to be extremely expensive, so I wanted to take it in phases. And we're going to build a trail, a hiking trail, along the former towpath, and eventually we'll have a statue there. That's great. And uh, you know what? We have to take a quick break, but uh, we'll be back more with the, more the Delaware Company, more with the Conways, <laughs> more Revolution to Revolution, and we'll be right back. Johnny, you said you wanted a revolution. <laughs> you say you want a revolution. <laughs> You're listening to Everything's Better in Berryville on the Heritage Radio Network, also available on BerryvilleRadio.com and Radio Catskill WJFF. All right, and we're back. We cannot keep the studio audience quiet today. They are really losing their minds. Well, we got two esteemed historians. Very sexy. Yes, here we go. All right, uh, one question I forgot to ask you before our break. Can you tell me who is Kate? Why is it called the Kate Project? Well, it's not a short story, but it's kind of a joke. Uh, It's the daughter of our friend Heather Jaxey, who I shared my vision with after a seminar that the Upper Delaware Scenic Byway had held with this famous um, planner named Ed McMahon. And he was confirming everything that I had come up with in my head, what I wanted to do. And one of the suggestions of other projects that he had was for towns to tell their own story. What's the soul of this place? What sets this apart from any other town in USA where every McDonald's is the same, every whatever. And one of the ways to raise money was his suggestion. One town did a history mural of the town, but they sold spaces so that you could have your face put in there. So the actual mayor of the village was characterized in this historic mural as the mayor. So as I'm telling Heather this story, she said, Okay, how much is it going to cost me for Kate to be your mo- the model? <laughs> I, I want this. <laughs> yeah, you, oh, I, I'm sure well, Mike like, wants like, to put himself uh, in a chicorn hat and <laughs> yeah, claim like, stake to uh, like, founding Berryville because they won't let him in as a local. I think that, that, that portrait of Tony Soprano, that could be us. <laughs> or Tony LaRufa for the right price. Here we go. <laughs> I, I want I to say, you know, when we first got to Berryville, when I and Christine, my wife, and I got first got to Berryville, Deb, you were one of the first people we met down at the farmer's market. And... Uh, you know, I was a big crush on first sight, and uh, you kind of volunteered us to work the voter registration table, which made us really part of the community. We met so many people, and then later, I started working at the farmer's market, volunteering over there. John came down to our Back to the Garden series, uh, 
in period costume and spoke uh, eloquently and wonderfully about the uh, American Revolution in Barryville. So I want to thank you guys for making us feel so welcome. You are my first connection, and I do connect so much to the revolution. But, to but revolution. you were the best latkes in town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you already put yourself on the <laughs> What's not to love? That's very good. That's my own personal revolution. <laughs> speaking of latkes, uh, you, and I knew this just speaking to you, you, got, you had a borscht belt twang. <laughs> <laughs> It's it. No. I mean, I think I said to you. So, uh, Deb, and uh, I what, know, what was your last name before it was Conway? <laughs> did. Conway Steen. And, and you said I know from Yiddish. And, yeah, <laughs> and I do. You know, growing up in Liberty, um, and I hate to say it like this, but most of my friends were Jewish. Yeah. Or I have a black neighbor. Yeah, yeah, but but in this case, I, it, I, have, a, I have a gay coworker. See, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Who, who, ironically, is the best straight man I ever had. <laughs> but all of my family grew up working in the hotels, um, particularly Grossinger's. We lived at the base of the hill. My one grandfather, when he came, was Jenny Grossinger's private chauffeur. Wow. Um, in fact, we just recently came across his license. I had always heard, and ironically, it was my mother who told me this story, not my father, whose son this was, um, that he had changed his name to sound more Jewish so he would fit in with the other Jews. Now, every other Jew in America was making it more anglicized. Instead of being Nicholas Sosluski, because he was born on Christmas, on his chauffeur license, it said Abe Sosluski. I love it. I love it. I know, but Fantastic. What, how fabulous. I mean, because this was like, the, this was the sort of Jewish Riviera, you know, at that time. And this was this was the place where people could be comfortable. And, and I love the idea of this sort of like, you know, this like ostracized group really feeling at home and people wanting to aspire to assimilate with that group, you know, with said group. It's it's pretty fabulous. I'm looking forward to our Borscht Belt show. Yeah, but this is not the Borscht I, Belt. John, can you tell us like this? This is not the Borscht Belt, correct? No. Like we No, in fact, you know, the, as the historian, that's one of the things, one of the battles that we fight is, uh, the Borscht Belt has a, an incredible cachet, and and for some reason, which we could explain if we had a, a two-hour show, um, <laughs> it's got a, it's it's just gotten very popular now. But the Borscht Belt was a tiny sliver in time and space in Sullivan County history, and really, uh, it was a very central part of Sullivan County that was primarily that that area served by the O and W Railway that. Uh, developed into the Borscht Belt. But the Borscht Belt existed for a very short time. And I would argue, and you know, this is something that we go back and forth with uh, when, whenever historians talk, that uh, the heyday of, of Sullivan County and the, the heyday of places like Grossinger's and the Concord and the Laurels and all the large Cutchers. hotels, really Cutchers, yep. came about well after the Borscht Belt was passe. It was after the restrictions had broken down and the hotels had become... Um, you know, much less restrictive about who they would uh, cater to. And so the, the days of the Christian and, and, uh, and Jewish resorts being totally separate had, had passed. Um, and they got so much more fun when everybody was involved. I mean, if you look at it, I like did. the programming. And, you know, Grossingers would tell you that during their heyday, uh, fully one-third of their, their guests were not Jewish at all. But uh, the, the Borscht Belt nickname uh, was something the hotel owners ran from for years. They didn't want to be associated with the Borscht Belt. But now, all of a sudden, I think because we have a new generation who are hearing 
stories from their grandparents about this great place where they used to vacation and, and how charming and, and quaint it was. Uh, the stigma of the Borscht Belt has been erased, and these kids have no no such uh, preconceptions, and, and they're anxious to come back and to hear more and to see the places. And, uh, you know, we have all these abandoned hotels here or hotel sites uh, that just lend lend themselves to great stories. And It's very sad how it's all, all falling apart, you know, it's the whole ruins of thing. My, my father brought me up to, I, I've been to the Concord and Grossinger's, and I, I think the Neville League too, um, when I was young, but this is what a divorced Jewish dad does with his new girlfriend to try to impress his kids. And, <laughs> and, and, and to just, impress his girlfriend. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, in, in 1970. Which is probably mm, more important. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a nightmare. My idea, eating in a room with 500 Jews is not my idea of a party. <laughs> Uh, it, Speak it, for yourself. It was pretty awful, but I do love looking at the history, and you see who played at these hotels, and it's not just Henny Youngman and, and Jewish comedians, and you know, of course, Lenny Bruce was up here, but Frank Sinatra was here, and Fats Domino was here, and all the big bands were here, and whoever the pop stars of the day, meaning the late fifties and the early sixties, they all came up here. It really was a mecca. Sinatra was up here, you know, Dean Martin was here. Uh, I mean, it was incredible. When you just sort of look at who came through here. It's amazing. Dionne Warwick talked about like how this was oh, one yeah. of her favorite gigs, which sure. is it, which is mind blowing. Sure. I mean. To the, the woman sang Bacharach all over the world, you know? But, you know, I would argue, Johnny and Mike, that, that a, a much more interesting part of, of our entertainment history was pre-television when those stars who, who became well-known through this new medium uh, actually worked on the staffs of the hotels for 10 or $15 a week, room and board, and they actually learned how to entertain guests by working uh, 24-7 on the staffs of these hotels. So you had people like Henny Youngman, Red Buttons, um, Danny Kaye. Uh, you know, these guys were staples on the, uh, and believe it or not, Van Johnson got yeah. his start here in, in Sullivan County. Shelley Winters, uh, you know, they talk pretty about, much anyone. Yeah, I, I, Deb and I were going back and forth with that Netflix Kutcher's documentary that was so fabulous, you know, and, and um, they talk about Shelley Winters coming to town and sort of you know, her experience here, but it's, it's, it's all just so fascinating and exciting, but let it be known that this was not the Porsche belt over here. There was other things going on over here. There was a big, uh, on the flip side of the coin, there was a big German development here in town, which is known as black forest. Um, you know, this was, this was, but that's not where you guys grew up. You guys were more closer to the Porsche oh, belt. So clear. this was a new experience. But well, you know, they had a great tourism industry here too. And, and unlike the other, um, the other parts of Sullivan County, it didn't make that transition to the Jewish uh, resort area that, that the rest of the county did. And it maintained a very different kind of tourism, which was based on natural beauty and sports and recreation. I got to say, living here, I feel, though, I am in some sort of... Uh Bermuda Quadrangle, I guess, between the Roebling Bridge and the history there and on the river and the Ministink Battleground and the site of the Bethel, you know, Bethel, the original Woodstock sure. concert and the Borscht Belt. Right, There's exactly. so much surrounding me that I am directly have been influenced by my entire life. And somehow this is where I landed. This is where I planted my flag. But can also give you a split personality. Think about being the historian who's got to, <laughs> yeah, exactly. to walk in all of those different worlds. I got to tell you, when uh, we moved up here and we're looking at the town of Highland, website where we're sort of, you know, looking around and oh, look, there's a town historian. We've got to meet her. That's who I want to hang out with, the town historian. Yeah, and now look where start. we are. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> You're hanging out. <laughs> Dreams can come true. I was just a boy with a dream. 
worked out. You know, one week or last week it was shrimp cocktail. He wanted it on the menu at Baker's. He got and, it. And so, boom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But let, let's not give him everything. You know, I've been I'm here 17 the, years and I've got very few things I want. I'm so. moving the dog. <laughs> and, and apparently you moved it with Conrad's too because I see that it was on their menu yesterday. Oh, the, oh, oh, the shrimp cocktail revolution. <laughs> the third revolution has now begun. Which, wow. by the way, you know, there was a major upheaval when uh, the Laurels, which was at one time the largest hotel in Sullivan County, put lobster on its menu. So <laughs> shrimp cocktail was not something you'd find at a Borscht Belt hotel. But every suburban Jew I knew growing up loved shrimp and lobster. It was sort of some sort of weird exception. Well, and interestingly, <laughs> the one food I think that's most identified with the Borscht Belt today by this new generation is the RPG, roast pork and garlic bread. And, yeah. and of course, obviously... Most Jews uh, okay. back then not, would not only eat no. roast pork and garlic bread okay. on the slide. That was definitely a no in my house growing up roast pork. Well, no one that ate it in their house. Thing. I don't think anyone ate right. RPG in their house. Yeah, that was definitely. But it's a thing. You're right. It's, I'm, I'm seeing it on more like deli menus and things like that. People are pumped about it again. But, you know, but like my parents would order like sh- uh, Cantonese shrimp or lobster Cantonese or something like yeah. this to get their shrimp and lobster intake in some sort of way that was acceptable to this middle class <laughs> Jewish aesthetic. Can I, can I ask you guys something? You know, I, we feel it a little bit, you know, because we're definite, we're definitively a river community over here. Has there always been this sort of like tug of war or push and pull with the east versus the western oh, side absolutely. of the county? Oh, absolutely. God, yeah. Yeah, and we we call it the uh, the continental divide. You know, and there are people who grew up in the Monticello Liberty Fallsburg area who f- literally believe that you know if you make that that left hand turn off of 17B onto 55, that you, you're going to fall off the edge of the world. You you're know, on just, a road to nowhere. <laughs> Deb loves to tell the story that m- many years ago, when I had my bookstore in Barryville, we had, I had a customer who came out from Monticello and said, "Wow, I never thought." You know, I'd be out here. It takes a really special kind of person to live way out here. (laughs) And may I add that that very day there was a drive-by shooting near her house. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, where are (laughs) Aren't you glad you didn't stay home today, honey? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad you guys are here. (laughs) Well, thank you. Listen, I I have to say to you guys, thank you so much for bringing the, the richness and the history to the area and reminding people about how great it's always been to be here. So thank you guys. Very much for all that you do and, for our community. And again, thank you personally so much for making me feel welcome here in Barryville. Latkes. I'm in it for the latkes. <laughs> I'm in it for the jokes. <laughs> you know, our history is our greatest treasure. So if we don't uh, publicize it, we're really just hoarding it. So what good does uh, it do anyone? And then we'll never learn anything either, correct? That's From it. our mistakes. Um, so where can people find out more about the Delaware Company? Uh, website, thedelawarecompany.org. Um, we've got... Uh, Tabs on there for Fort Delaware for the Menacing Battleground. We try to keep up to date with events uh, that are coming up, but we haven't refreshed it yet for 2023 events, but we'll be on there shortly. So just go to the website or our Facebook page, The Delaware Company, or also Fort Delaware Museum. Great. On Facebook. Great. And, and definitely, if you haven't yet, please go out and visit Fort Delaware this this season. It's such a phenomenal place and very, very inspiring. And it makes for a great party venue. I have Saturday, to May 27th. Oh, yes. All right. Saturday, the 27th is the opening of Fort Delaware. We leave you with the Conways. Thank you so much uh, for coming out tonight. Everything's better and better. You can say that again, brother. <laughs> Everything's Thank you. Better. I knew that was coming because he has Borscht Belt level humor. Here we go. All right. We'll get to the Borscht Belt thing. Every, every segment's going to start with me saying, so a guy goes to a doctor. Be ready for it. Oh. <laughs> 
This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Oh, man, I meant to ask uh, Deb and John if I need to wear a period costume to get a gig at the Fort Delaware. It could only help. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you that because those two make period clothing look so good. You know, they're not the, they're not your, you know, your grandma's felt sort of historic society. Those two have authenticity attached to their to their cause. You know, uh, Deb did invite me. It was my first really great uh, community gig up here to sing a song. I sang a, a, this lament, a beautiful war lament. Uh, Johnny uh, Gone Home a Soldier at the Haunted Battlefield I sang for some ghosts and some local politicians and I thought I was going to be Lou Gehrig into this gig the the, the girl that usually did it like had a kickball game or something she had to go to so, you know so she calls in sick I show up the idea is now I get the gig until I call in sick that's how it worked with, with the Iron Horse you know Lou Gehrig she was the Wally Pip no one remembers who Wally Pip was but, yeah sorry uh, this is this is over my head yeah well you know don't forget Lou Gehrig was not the first string baseman you know the first baseman uh, for the New York Yankees he was on the bench until the guy that was the regular called in sick and 1400 games later uh, I'm still singing at Mini Sink Battlefield. Alright John, you ready for the news? I'm ready for the news. Alright, let's uh, let's do it to it. Here we go. Here's your host John Pizzolatto. I'm John Pizzolatto and this is the news to me. New York City is stewing is suing the state <laughs> over the foie gras law that's been passed, banning foie gras um, sales and um, basically putting it on the menu in New York City. But it's it's a big revenue stream up here for the one big foie gras farm um, that that's that's still left up here, and uh, it's 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 a very diabolical sort of story that's covered in the in the Democrat today. You know, while uh, foie gras is is an economic boost for Sullivan County. It's also, well, A, delicious, but B, it's also very cruel to, to, to the animals that they um, sort of produce it from. So I, I, I don't know where I stand on this because, you know, I was a vegan and then I was a pescatarian and then I got Lyme disease. And our own uh, Lorraine Spinard, our kinesiologist over in Chihola, told me that I should be eating meat. And now I can't turn back. And I love <laughs> all kinds of meat. And I, and I, I love foie gras. And uh, but I but I also do think it's cruel, and I do think that if there's a sort of ethnic ethical conversation to be had, and New York City is saying we want to be ethical, we don't want to abuse these animals, and you know for delicacies, I I just don't know where to put it. Well, you said it on the one hand, unbelievably inhumane and cruel, and on the other, delicious. 
Especially with a little brandy ignited over it, a little flambe. Stop! Oh my god! <laughs> Don't romanticize uh, it. You but, said brandy, but I, I <laughs> but I, but I, I, I do believe in. Uh, Raising animals the most humane way possible. I try not to buy anything from big agriculture if I possibly can. I do not buy chicken that says Purdue or Smithfield on it. I buy it from our local farmers at the Barryville Farmers Market. I buy meat there. I have worked with Heritage Foods USA for a long time. You know that. And where does their- Heritage stand on the foie gras? Yeah, like like on its neck, you know. Got it. Got <laughs> uh, it. Because the Heritage uh, principle, I mean, this is to raise animals humanely using old. Uh, grazing on pasture. The turkeys that sell get to roost and walk around. They're not. That the, sounds like a call from the top. Like the, that sounds the, like Patrick. The the the, the 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 pigs aren't swimming in their own effluence and pouring a sea of pig shit into like North Carolina. So I mean, before we were you know on Heritage or whatever, I ordered a, a a bird, a turkey for Thanksgiving because birds were sold out at our local farmers market. And so I get this Heritage uh, paperwork basically when you get the turkey and it tells you the community college courses that they've accomplished. <laughs> you know, like. The, the turkey's IQ, but it's like, you know, the story of a West Virginia fleet of black turkeys that blah, 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 blah. But it's a, that, to me, ethically sourced food is very, very important. It becomes part of you and your, your soul. So I really, you know, church is out on this, on this foie gras thing. I, I, don't know what to, I don't know what to do with it. Well, you know, we don't live in a utopia where everything is going to, you know, come from this pain-free environment. So into your life, a little foie gras may fall, and I'm not going to judge you for it. You know, so I mean, I, I I prefer to eat you know pork that comes from like humanely farmed. Patrick is keeping in business all these independently owned family farms for many years in the face of big agriculture, and, that I, are and I always support you. that. But when I you know go down the road to get my bacon, egg, and cheese, it came from a very cruel environment. So I get that, you know, <laughs> I, I, and yet I love it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also in the news, you were going to tell me something from oh, the pages oh, plucked oh, from the River Reporter the River about Report, astrology. They're busting out with an astrology. Uh, feature this week, and the headline is uh, fittingly astrology. Why? And that is actually uh, my question. But here, here it is. Here is the why. This is written by Mark Schulgasser, and he tells us what astrology is and why it works and what it doesn't. Are you ready for this? In a nutshell, it's a diachronic ontology of evolutionary neuroastrology. What? Can you please rewind? That's a, that is the most insane sentence. One more time. Go ahead. It, it makes me yearn for the uh, simplicity, the Robert Frost-like simplicity of it's winter. Uh, it's a diachronic ontology of evolutionary neuroastrology, and that gets a hit. Maybe, uh, maybe um, astrology is not for this guy. But uh, I do yourselves a favor. Uh, maybe skip this article and go to Astrology Zone. Um, you know, she. The, the most wonderful, wonderful um, astrology is, um, you know, Miller Miller of Astrology Zone. She's she's amazing. Uh, or if you want a depressing astrology, <laughs> go to Sally Brompton, who hates Scorpios, and she's like, "Hey, Scorpio, you're still an asshole. Money's <laughs> going to come your way on Friday." What does the uh, River Reporter uh, have against astrology? Uh, actually, it's actually a pro astrology story, but who would know it? Because I'm, you know, John. It's a wise man who rules the stars. All right, you know. Oh, what? I, I actually have a sad story, which I'm sure everybody knows by now. Um, Raquel Welch oh, is dead. This 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 was a really uh, a big blow to you know my entire 
view of the world. I mean, since I was a little kid, she is the first va-va-voom girl. Uh, you know, I mean, she made it move. I mean, uh, we used to go to a movie theater, uh, the Menlo Park Cinema, where they showed movies for little kids on Saturday afternoons, like a dollar to show these movies. They always showed the same movies over again. And they were a little bit outdated, but they were great. And one they always showed was Fantastic Voyage. And wow. and if and it was just like, holy cow, this is just amazing. And of course, if anyone's seen Fantastic Voyage from 1966, and the movie was already 10 years old when I went to see it. But it's like, you know, it, it's... I watched it with my step-grandfather, and I never saw any sort of stabs at his masculinity like like when we were watching that film. 1 million B.C., holy cow. And even when she was voicing the character, uh, Shelley Millstone, the Flintstones, the one that really killed us was Kansas City Bomber. She played a roller derby queen. Oh, my God. She was always just like the face of sexy... Grace, like she really, she was the original cougar in some way. For me, at least, you know, kind of her '80s imaging. You know, she was always just just like, (laughs) babe, babe, babe. babe. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, I'm I'm so old that all my older women fantasies are about women 20 years younger than me. (laughs) (laughs) But but Raquel Welch was like absolutely the it girl and a class act from from top to bottom. What is that? Whoa, whoa, whoa! Speaking of va va boom. Speaking of class acts. Wow, what's that in the sky? I believe it's the eye in the sky. I believe it's the Barryville Radio Traffic. Helicopter, Tiffany Diamond, are you there? There goes our budget. <laughs> Tiffany, can you hear us? Hey guys, it's another beautiful day here in Berryville. The sun is shining, it's 50 degrees. Everyone has spring fever, but don't buy it. It's fake news. Get ready because this fake spring is going to be followed by winter 2.0, and then another spring tease, and then the winter of our discontent, then the mud season. We might not even see real spring until it gets to be summer. You know what they say, March comes in like a lion and goes out like a lamb. Well, not in Sullivan County. March comes like in like a lion and goes out like a feral cat. And over in Orange County, March comes in like a German shepherd and goes out like a labradoodle. But in Ulster County, March comes in like an overly aggressive real estate agent. And hey, 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 Tiffany, Tiffany, Tiffany. Sorry, I can't hear you. The helicopter's too loud. Remember, everybody, watch out for falling rocks on Hawk's Nest and be careful. There's a lot of winter to go. Okay, over and out for Tiffany Diamond in the Berryville radio helicopter. All right. Wow. Who knew that uh, Tiffany was not only a trafficologist, but a weatherologist to boot? All right, we'll be right back with Vanessa Carlton right after this. Everything's better in Berryville. All right. We are back with a very exciting next musical guest uh, who is from right over the bridge from Berryville, right here uh, in close by Shahola. It is Vanessa Carlton. What's up? All right. How are you doing, doll? What's going on? Is that, that is so funny. Is that clapping or is it popcorn? It's the studio audience, <laughs> Vanessa. <laughs> so adorable. I'm loving this. The studio um, audience, I'm which good. I. I'm good. How are you? We're great. Where where are you right now in the world? I know you're getting ready for your new tour. I'm in Rhode Island. Oh, wow. That's right. So that's where you... So post-pandemic, you went up to Rhode Island, right? Like that's where you were moving to. Exactly. So yeah, the last year, like 2020 and 2021, I was living in Berryville um, with my family and my daughter was going to the homestead school and I was subbing I was a substitute teacher <laughs> it was amazing and then we um we found a house sort of near our families um because they both left they, um 
my husband's from Providence and my parents now live in Mass. So here we are in Warwick, uh, Rhode Island. That's so exciting. Uh, Mike is burning to ask you a couple questions because he's been doing a lot of research. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let him take it away. And then I have a bunch of questions to ask you about growing up in Shahola. But Mike, take it away. Well, I just I can't help but uh, say that one thing we have in common is we both dropped out of Columbia University. A nice school, but maybe not the best place for an artist to spend four years. <laughs> Did you do that too? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was. Well, I got, uh, uh, it's an honor. It's an honor. <laughs> I, I was let out for time served, basically. <laughs> I think you guys are in a good class, though, because there's been lots of successful Columbia dropouts. Ah, uh, Barack Obama? No, no, he, he finished. Oh, yeah, he did finish. <laughs> Never mind. But yeah, but others, others. He lots. also became the president of the United States. Yeah, there's a plethora. <laughs> See, if you would have finished, guys, you'd be the president and vice president right now. Well, I did, I did want to say, though, uh, Vanessa, I'm so admirous of you because having a hit record and having a music career in America such can be such a short-lived profession, but you've, you've persevered, you keep at it. 20 years later, you're back on the road. I know you've had lots of obstacles. You've dealt with um, some difficult producers. You're raising a family. So I think it's amazing what you're doing. I'm, I'm, I'm totally a fan. I'm totally 100% impressed. Well, it's an honor to be a dropout with you, <laughs> and thank you so much for the kind words of support my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Vanessa, I wanted to ask you, what was it like, you know, growing up in Shahola and then putting out an amazing hit single when you were in your teens? I mean, like what, a, what a life change. And I'm just thinking about all the kids that are, you know, growing up around here. What if one of them just sailed into superstardom in their, in their teens? What did that feel like? What was that like? And how did you get there? Well, you know, it's so funny. I just love the idea of like, Another any other kid growing up in Shahola or Berryville or whatever Milford area, Milford, Pennsylvania. It's like I love the idea that if you you actually can if you you have a crazy dream, there's a chance like maybe you can maybe you can make it happen. Like I, I so I, I I love that 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 where I'm from and that I can tell that story because even though it's really hard and it's um, I feel like I'm just very lucky. Um, I loved the, to be able to you know, I don't know, inspire another young creative in the area to just, like, go for it, you know? Well, um, I'm older than you, and you're inspirational to me, so maybe one day I will. <laughs> I, I, I'm much, much, much older, and I'm finding inspiration. <laughs> so, no, but what was it like? Like, what, like do, you know, I'm sure you were always a performer and songwriter and things, but how did you yeah. turn what was your passion into your career at such a young age? Yeah. Yep. So, well, I, I was studying ballet sort of like really obsessively um, and intensely. And I moved to New York when I was just turning 14 to study at the School of American Ballet. And, you know, New York City is not far from where we are. So it was just like I just really wanted to live in New York, like really badly. And so I studied at that school for many years. And then I just started writing. You know, as you know, my mom is Heidi Carlton, School of Music, uh, piano teacher, extraordinaire, legend from Milford, Pennsylvania. <laughs> I love it. No, Shahola. that's so, it's, you guys are like such a, a family of musical whizzes. It's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> she's really she's left her mark on I think a lot of kids who are now, you know, grown uh, in the area. She's taught music, piano to so many. But so when I, I was studying ballet in New York, and then I um, was really sort of disillusioned by that um, that world especially in the nineties, it was really, it's, it was, it's hard. And so I started escaping and sort of skipping my class, my classes and started writing songs, like, like songs with lyrics when I was about 16, 15. 
uh, in my dorm room in New York. And that's how I started writing my first record. And then, and I, you know, I was waitressing. I was doing some shows. And I just got really lucky because my... Um, my dad passed along a cassette tape to Ahmet Erdogan. He was able to get it into his hands, and he was he's one of these big time, you know, he's called the godfather of the music yeah. industry. Yeah, that's not yeah. casual. Like yeah. <laughs> so, so the same guy yeah, yeah. discovered, you but discovered Ray Charles? That that was, <laughs> not to say that that was the end, like the beginning or whatever. Like that was the, that opened some doors for me, but, you know, it's always... It's always one challenge after the next challenge. It's like it's just—it's really a test to see how much resilient, how much stamina you have. Um, I think in any creative world, it's like because nothing is always just gonna, nothing just miraculously goes your way. You know, it's like you just keep moving forward and have an amazing support system, and and you'll then you'll survive. <laughs> Maybe you'll survive it. <laughs> Well, I think it's amazing, and that's exactly what I was getting to. I mean, the hurdles, the obstacles for having a music career in America in the 21st century, I mean, it's incredible. And I'm looking at your tour dates. The Future Pain Tour begins on March 1st, an evening with Vanessa Carlton, and you're going to be playing in New York City, Philadelphia, and uh, I guess you're going all the way out to the West Coast. I see Chicago, Cincinnati, Nashville, Atlanta, New Orleans, the home of the blues, and uh, San Francisco and California. That's exciting. When's, when's the last time you were out on the road? I was uh, I was touring with um, opening the CV Next tour uh, uh, last fall, which was um, amazing. However, my first time like headline last time I was headlining a tour was five years ago. So I have not done my own show like this um, since pre since the pandemic. Um, and I am just so excited and bring a, a brilliant cellist. It's going to be keys, cello, two voices. We have all these pedals to make this kind of like psychedelic vibey sort of beautiful different sounds um to just add to just just rearrange a lot of the songs in a way that's like um sort of compelling in a new way um sort of inspired by the nirvana unplugged stuff i love so many nirvana songs then you hear it sort of turned on its side and you're like huh i can't believe that's the same song wow yeah so i'm hoping hoping to create a cool experience for people I have to tell you a very funny story. So when I was a professional musician, you know, like we were a touring band. It was not, you know, I, we, we had a distribution deal, but not a record deal, et cetera, et cetera. But a, a very different story. You say, you say Nirvana and I say Butch Fig, which is so funny. My mom ended up like working, you know, at my cousin's like radio uh, in car installation business or something. And so she gave Butch Vig, who is like this famous producer who's in garbage and, you know, produced yep. the Nirvana uh, Nevermind album. She just gave him our demo tape and it was a much different story. He said, why don't you guys just uh, fly here and I'll, I'll mix your album for you. That's it. But we had to pay. <laughs> so it's a much different story. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. That, no, those, those kind of moments are really huge. And, um, I think that they're like they're not they're not always going to happen, and I, I you know what honestly I always feel like if you can survive the drop off like if you have any sort of like splashy moment right as because artists lives are forever like you're always going to be an artist no matter what even if you're going to be you could have a nine to five job you can do whatever you're always an artist at heart so like if you um, if you have some splashy thing that happens just surrounding the the success of your artwork and then you have a drop off, you know, where it's like, wait, oh, now maybe this next thing and people are that, and you can survive that and you just build resilience in that moment. And you come back after that, you're going to be, a, you'll have a career forever. 
that's that's always what I see in people. It's like survive your quote unquote failures, and you got this. You know, a hundred percent, fantastic and true, and no joke that there are a lot of one hit wonders now working the graveyard shift at Wawa. Hey, you you said you were opening for you were opening for Stevie Nicks. Did I read that Stevie Nicks officiated your wedding? She did. She's what? Can you think of a better person uh, to host a ritual? Oh my god! So witchy and cool. That is the coolest thing in the entire planet. And mom, Mike, you really did do your research. But Vanessa, I never knew that, and that's really, really incredible. I think she's my our good luck charm because John and I like really we're still married and we really enjoy it. We're gonna approach our ten year anniversary. But I will tell you this: we did not have a wedding. Do not, that's a mistake. We did not want a wedding. We had, we had like a ritual. We had, it was like just us. We had no family or friend. Like it was just, uh, we just wanted to do something very um, private, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's that's phenomenal. Well, oh. I tell you what, John, I think we should go see Vanessa. I think we should. Uh, oh make, yeah, everything's in Barryville field trip and go uh, city winery. And, yeah, and go see the Vanessa. Carl. No, I, I went with the folks at Bethel Woods to uh, see Constantine Morales, who who um, you know the board uh, are friends with, and he plays at Bethel Woods. And I I was so excited because in the middle of the show it flashed coming March first to you know city winery Vanessa Carlton. It was so exciting. But how many dates are you doing in New York? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm. I would love for you guys to come. I'm doing two dates. I think they're both sold out. Okay. But I'm not sure. But just check because we, I want I, any anyone from the area who wants to come out. Oh my God! I just feel it's just so wonderful to be in the same room with like old friends or old community like community members and in a time like this too. It's like it's so healing and feels so good to just share in music. Like a just be in the same room with other people playing music. It's just. I don't know about you guys, but it just it, to share in our humanity, and uh, that's all I want to be doing right now. It's a big deal. <laughs> I can't, can't watch the news, so yeah. <laughs> which, so I have I have to start my rehearsal. So hey, Johnny, we can always slum it and go to one of the Pennsylvania dates. But uh, Vanessa, before you go, we're gonna play a, we're gonna play a song for everybody in Barryville and beyond. What song are we gonna hear? You want to play? Well, it's up to you guys. You want to play <laughs> something from my new record? I I released a record in twenty twenty. Worst time ever to release a record but it's there and um the name of the album is love is an art so it's up to you guys i love the title track um but what other song do we no let's go with love is an art but for us will you promise next time you're back in town you'll come up and uh come to the barryville studio and play with us in person of course please <laughs> please 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 uh well thank you Thank you so much for your time today. Ladies and gentlemen, Vanessa Carlton, thank you so much for everything. Have a great tour. Happy trails. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. we'll see you on one side of the river or the other. (laughs) Everything's better in Berryville. Tell me your story
It's Vanessa Carlton. Can you dig it? She's like a perfect 10. She's gracious. <laughs> she's lovely. She's inspiring. And she's got a hell of a voice. And she's a great writer. And her message is amazing. Do not quit. Keep at it. You know, there are so many hurdles, especially in the music business. My God, pop music star has got to be the shortest lived profession. Well, yeah. And and, and being self-made and, and just kind of being self-produced and self-funded, all those things that she is. And all is, the things. Is, 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 she deserves all the, all the acclaim. All the things that have been thrown at her, every single obstacle. And she's still here doing it. Let that be a lesson to you all. Listen, hey, thanks, everybody for a great show uh, uh before we go on a more uh somber and sobering note um alan edward murphy uh better known as al of um of berryville has passed away um he originally grew up around the port jervis area and he is father to aaron murphy uh aaron murphy nelson and um father-in-law to to obviously matt nelson and then the Nelson clan are such an important part of, of Berryville and um, the history of Berryville. And Al was, you know, a loving father and grandfather and husband to our friend Sue Murphy. So our heart goes out to them. Um, I just wanted to read a little passage that was on Aaron's Facebook because it's just so sweet and it so sums up a beautiful father-daughter relationship. Uh, her post starts, Dad, MacGyver, the police academy, Abbott and Costello, salting crackers with a slice of cheddar, cheese, and ketchup, the nicotine smell on your sweaty palms as we held hands walking to church, skipping out right after communion to golf, where you could give me a Coke and some Snickers and then drive, uh, let me drive the cart. I know we needed to, you needed to go, but I'll miss you forever, Dad. So I just, I, I love those guys and my heart goes out to them, but I know they'll... I know they'll uh, see the light in all of it. So thank you so much. And the show is dedicated to Al. That, that was uh, really very, very beautiful, Matt and Aaron are such lovely people. And uh, yeah, they make Barryville better. And uh, thanks, John, for all right. reading that. Yeah, of course. Listen, we, we love you all and um, have a great day and uh, take a little time to enjoy each other. All right. Love you all. See ya. Bye-bye.
This show is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.